Episode 35 of The Review, featuring Matt Fonzie and myself as your two co-hosts. Fonzie is here with me today. Great episode, great day. Fonzie, how are you today? Doing good. Just had a super beef from Nick's Roast Beef. I'm feeling great. I got working a little bit, but I'm ready to grind this out. Had a tough weekend of wiffle ball, but um, that's the way she goes sometimes. <laughs> that, that definitely is the way she goes. Uh, I've been in your shoes before in terms of losing in wiffle ball week one. But uh, we'll dive into that in the second half of the episode. But we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, you'll have to apologize. or uh, Sorry, you won't have to apologize. I will have to apologize. You'll have to forgive me if I don't want to talk too much because I had my wisdom teeth removed yesterday. And uh, I- I'm good. I mean, I- I've recovered faster than most have. I've been doing my research on Wikipedia. They say, like, oh, the second day is the worst. I'm on the second day. Like, I I, I'm- I haven't felt a thing yet. I think yesterday was probably the worst day for me. I'm-, I'm a little sore. Like, yeah, a little sore jaw. But I can't even feel anything. I haven't been in pain. I've been, like, you know, drinking, eating. So I think everyone else just needs to man the fuck up. That's just my opinion. But come this weekend, I'll be ready to go. Uh, I, I am going to start on the mound despite my surgical procedure earlier this week. But yeah. <laughs> despite my surgical procedure, I will be pulling a Kurt Schilling and <laughs> stepping on the mound in next weekend's game. I could have gone today, but my mom was like, oh, you need to rest for at least two days. Two days, please. Uh it was crazy, though. Like, I've, I haven't had surgery. I used to, I had a lot of surgeries as a kid, but I haven't had surgery in over, like, 12 how old am i 17 yeah 12 years and you like they put you to sleep for it and i all i remember is walking in and the guy walks in he was like what's up we elbow bumped it was kind of a sick moment not gonna lie uh <laughs> he elbow bumped i elbow bumped him back i was like yes me and this dude are just feeling each other and then he goes what's your genre and i was like play me some country fam i mean i, I go for all genres i listen to pop edm rap rock country but i was in the country so i was like play me some country uh he puts on uh whiskey glasses by morgan wall and i'm like this is fucking sick and then next thing i know i'm just like dead asleep and then i wake up like 20 minutes later and uh hurricane by luke combs is on and they're like all right you're good to go so it was it was it was a pretty chill experience after the fact though they give you like the laughing gas or whatever after the fact it was weird because this hasn't like happened to me before um you're like on the laughing gas so i was like saying a bunch of fucked up shit and but my in my mind i knew i was saying it and i knew exactly what was happening i was like oh fuck i'm like i'm tripping out right now but i couldn't stop myself from saying this shit so i was just like we're at the duncan's drive-thru i was like talking to the person in the drive i was like saying some really really off off color stuff oh yeah and then, what did you off color what were you i can't i can't say it on the podcast it was bad and then my dad was like, oh, he just got his wisdom teeth out. And I was like, you're fucking right, I did. <laughs> I was just like, and then like two hours later, it just completely wore off. I have some videos and we should post them. Oh. I texted Carp because Carp's getting his wisdom teeth out like in a few weeks or a few, I don't know, a month maybe. So 
he was asking me like how it was and i was still like under the gas a little bit so i like sent a video back i'm like it's fucking awesome dude and then he was he could tell that i was on the like i was off the off the drugs so he was like oh and remember remember that you owe me a hundred dollars to try and fuck with me and i just read right through that bullshit so i <laughs> sent a video to him i was like i don't owe you shit i was like you owe me more than numbers can write down that was the quote i sent that to lynchy that was the quote you owe me more than numbers can write down so let where's the video i don't know I, we'll, we'll find it and we'll play it after but yeah that was my experience so a lot of liquidated food yesterday i'm kind of getting back into the chewing phase today hey I've, got, <laughs> I've got stitches in my mouth that are gonna dissolve on their own so that'll be fun but yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. We've got a, a great show planned. New show logo. Um, it hasn't been released yet. It'll be released with this show. Uh, great stuff to talk about. And new teeth, new me. Or lack thereof. New no teeth, lack new me. Of. And shout out to Arsenal. Uh, Premier League comes back today. My club, Arsenal, they're playing at 3.15 against Manchester City. So everyone tune in for that. But yeah, let's get right into it. Episode 35 of the review. First item on the agenda, Long Gone Summer just came out. ESPN's 30 for 30. They've been on a little bit of a uh, a run with pumping out the documentaries. Uh, the Last Dance, obviously, the most popular one that just came out. They did one on Lance Armstrong, that fucking cheater. And then they did one on uh, the summer of 1998 where Mark McGuire and uh, Sammy Sosa chased for the home run record, the all-time home run record. And... The premieres or the previews for this uh, for this documentary were really cool because you thought, oh, OK, we're going to get to see the insides of of the race in 98. We're going to get to see the back and forth, a little bit of the controversial topics regarding steroid use. How legitimate was this uh, home run record that was set? And you're going to get to see the interviews with the players. What was it like in the clubhouse? What did the managers think? That's what the previews showed. And uh, it premiered Sunday night at nine. And I watched it and. It was a major disappointment, starting with the fact that this documentary could have been made in like September or October of 1998. There was nothing like new or unveiling about it. They just like stated the facts. So here I am, you know, 2020 me, knowing that these two have been accused of taking steroids and we now know the 1990s and the early 2000s to be the steroid era of baseball. Hey, so, hey, no one's going to mention, though, that 2020 is the steroid era of TBR Wiffle Ball. Yeah, we're, we're in our own steroid era right now. <laughs> Regulations TBR haven't Wiffle. been set, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know what's legal. You don't know what's illegal. It's just kind of like, eh, what's over the counter? What's <laughs> what's under the rug, you know? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, I did agree with Brendan here. I did see the previews and look really interesting today. I didn't get the time to actually watch it. But, yeah. like, see what they had given us. Like, you saw the last dance and you saw their previews. You knew they were going to get into the dirty work. Yeah. You knew that they had 10 episodes set up that you could see more into what happened. Like, shit that you would have never thought would have happened. But when we go into this, Brendan just said they don't really tell you anything. What's the point of watching it? Right? No. Like, you go to the OJ one. By the way, happy OJ anniversary. It's the 17th of June. <laughs> in this Broncos today in 94, but this whole week of OJ's car chase, people just remember for the car chase. You right. don't remember that Arnold Palmer was in his last uh, U.S. Open, the Rangers won the Stanley Cup, the Knicks and the Rockets were in the finals because 
Michael Jack, Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan Michael was off playing baseball, <laughs> like a dumbass. And there was just so much going on. The World Cup, the World Cup was here. Yeah, the World Cup. The year was that in the, the, the Escobar put the ball in his own net and was then killed by Pablo. Mm-hmm. So much went on, but it's that week. Remember for one thing, it is that OJ was chasing a Ford Bronco with his friend AC because he killed two people. That's what it's remembered yeah. for. But now we get to see there's so much more to it than just that. Yeah. And, you know, that's what makes a documentary so good is the things that you don't remember about it that bring back things that you should have known about that you know happened, but you didn't know that it was that time. Right. It's shit that you didn't know about that you now know about coming out of that documentary. Like mm-hmm. shit about Dennis Rodman, which, by the way, another great 30 for 30, the Rodman one. My God, was he a sicko. Loved it. Got to wear the number 69 in Dallas, but they shut him down. Mark Cuban was on board, but David Stern said, oh, no, it's a bad look. Fuck you, David Stern. That would have been amazing to have a Dennis Rodman jersey with the number 69 on it. Sorry, but fuck you. But <laughs> I'm getting off track here. 30s <laughs> are made for you to find out new things about something you wouldn't have known about. Now, oh, my God, they took steroids and hit home runs. Woo! Yeah. Well, they didn't even mention this. So that's the that was the biggest thing for me. The steroids were such a footnote to this documentary. And I think 30 for 30 with a complete misfire on the long gone summer. Um, my my first gripe with the whole thing was how boring the story was. I, I mean, it, the summer of 98, A, revived baseball because in the years leading up, you had the lockout. You had the NHL, NBA, and NFL on the rise, and you had the MLB on the decline. Ratings were down. Attendance was down. You didn't really have any players that were sparking intrigue in the game. You know, Michael Jordan dominated basketball. Wayne Gretzky dominated hockey. Uh, You could, you know, list off different players who dominated football. Probably Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders were kind of the guys who were, like, bringing the popularity and the juice into the sport. Um, You didn't have that guy in the MLB in the early 90s. Uh, you had talented players, but no one was really leading the way for the MLB to be, to kind of dominate the headlines in the summer. That all changed when Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire came into the league and started hitting home runs. And really, it was more on Sammy Sosa because Sammy Sosa was the character. He had the life in him. He he was a fan favorite. Uh, he kind of, you know, second to Michael Jordan, had the city of Chicago in his hand. And uh, when you go into the summer of 98 and you look at that home run race, you're talking about a home run record that was disputed at first because it, before it was um, Maris's, it was Babe Ruth's. So people wanted to dispute Maris's record because the season was a little bit longer. You had this record that hadn't been broken in forever. And you have two sluggers who are playing in the same division at the same time with practically the same amount of home runs in one summer going back and forth, just hitting home runs. And the game of baseball at that point became less about you know, who's going to win the World Series, who's going to win the pennant, and more about who's going to break this home run record, because that's what baseball is. It's all about records. At the end of the day, you you know, you could say, like, I don't even, can you tell me who won the 98 World Series? Like, I don't even know. Right. But I can tell you who broke the home run record in 1998, and it was Mark McGuire. So when you think about that summer, obviously, we didn't get to live through it, but for the people that did, And they interviewed some of these people, but for the most part, it was just like live video clips of the fans they were interviewing at the time. It was an electrifying race. And the way that 30 for 30 did it was so boring. It was like, oh, Mark McGuire hit a home run. Oh, Sammy Sosa hit two. Mark McGuire hit three. 
Oh, Sammy Sosa hit another. Oh, my God. They're hitting home runs left and right. At, at some point, I just got lost because they just kept showing the home runs. And it, it became less about, like, the race for the record and Sammy just passed Mark McGuire. So beating the record was was the big was one thing. That was the tier that they were both going for. And Mark McGuire got to 62 before Sammy Sosa did. But people forget that Sammy Sosa then passed Mark McGuire and had the new record for a time. And that was such a footnote in the documentary. They were like, oh, Mark McGuire has beaten the record. He beat 62, which was Maris's record was 61. But then Sammy Sosa passed him. And they're just like, oh, Sammy Sosa two days later hit two home runs. But then Mark McGuire hit more. You know, they just like skipped over the important pieces that it just became boring at some point. They just kept showing home runs and putting the number home run in the bottom. It wasn't like they weren't interviewing the guys about the race. Um, Sammy Sosa, number two, was barely in it. I mean, if you're going to get in a, a documentary, like you, you look to the last dance, everybody was in that documentary. They interviewed Pippen, even though Pippen wasn't really shown in the greatest light. Rodman, everybody was interviewed. What, what yeah. made the last dance so great is they interviewed the enemies, the people that they played right. against. Like Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was so interesting to see what he would say. And then they go back to Michael and say, no, 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 no. Exactly. It was just the beef that still lasts today. Like if they, it, McGuire, like McGuire and Sosa, if they had them like talk about each other, if they had a rivalry of some sort, mm-hmm. it would have made it so much more interesting yeah. to see how they still feel about each other. But McGuire won the race, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So McGuire won the race. Don't you want to see what Sosa wants to say about McGuire? Or, or, like, what Sosa did wrong or if Sosa yeah. will ever admit to taking steroids. Mm-hmm. It's just the stuff that you want to see because he still hasn't said a thing about that. Right. He still denies that he ever took steroids. All the big-name guys that did it admitted to taking them except for Sammy Sosa. Exactly, yeah. So if he admits <laughs> it, that's, like, groundbreaking shit, even though everyone knows that he did it. Mm-hmm. It would make it so much more interesting to see that this documentary would have brought it out of him to say that he was taking steroids when he was playing baseball. But he didn't. Yeah. Because, like, I think he's a pussy, quite honestly. He bleached his skin. He changed who he was. And he just like, oh, I didn't do the steroids. No, I just gained 30 pounds randomly and was jacked <laughs> the next season. No. Look at Clemens. Clemens admitted it. Clemens gained 40 pounds in an offseason so we could play six more years. He admitted yeah. it, though. And I respect that. If you admit it and you're not a pussy about it, I'm fine with it. But Sammy Sosa... Just admit it already. Everyone knows you did it. Just say it. But apparently he's too man to admit that he was wrong. <laughs> well, here's the thing that that I didn't like was exactly what you just said. There was a way to make this like an entertaining rivalry documentary. And these were the two worst guys to do that with. Mark McGuire is the most boring fuck on the planet. I'm sorry, but like... You weren't going to get anything out of him. Michael Jordan, Isaiah Thomas, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, those guys are characters. And they're not afraid to say what what they actually think. So that's what made The Last Dance so interesting was like Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas have like – Isaiah Thomas, big, not little – have this this ongoing just boiling blood from their playoff series where the Pistons walked off the court and refused to shake hands. Like that's still going on today. That's that, and, and Isaiah Thomas wasn't picked for the dream team. Like that's that's kind of like the boiling blood or the bad blood between the two of them that still lasts to today. 
Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were friendly with each other. They they like they wanted to see the other do better than them, which was fine. Like gamesmanship, respecting your opponent, that's fine. But there wasn't any substance to to what they were saying. So they'd interview Mark McGuire about, oh, what'd you think about Sammy Sosa? And he's like, oh, I was happy for Sammy. You know, when he when he went above me, I was happy for him. They go to Sammy Sosa. First of all, Sammy Sosa wasn't in it. Sammy Sosa maybe like had collectively seven minutes of airtime in the whole documentary. I don't know why they had interviews with him. Like they sat down. He's wearing two different outfits. So, you know, that they recorded at least two different interviews at two different times, like talking head interviews where they just sit down and have him talk. You know, they did that twice. Sammy Sosa was like barely in the documentary. They showed him like at the very beginning, like sitting down and putting on his mic. And at the end, they asked him like, did you take steroids? And he he came up with the worst answer ever. They're like, so Sammy, did you take steroids? And he goes, I have a granddaughter. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> he was like, I've got a family now. I have a granddaughter. He goes, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's like, well, okay. The question is, did you take steroids? And he's like, I'm happy. It's, it's, I, I really think like at some point we need to get Sammy Sosa a translator because I don't think he knew what the fuck was going on. That's almost him saying that he's like, like I did steroids. Like, I feel like if he, he responds with, I'm happy now, you know, he definitely did steroids. Is it like, what is like, what, he was like, he was like, oh, I have a granddaughter. I'm happy. I, I have a wife. I have a family. It's like, okay, but did you take steroids? You know, like I Mark McGuire admitted to it. <laughs> I feel like by him saying that, it's him trying to say like, yeah, I did it. But I don't want it to like get to my granddaughter saying that I took steroids. I don't, I, I really that, think he didn't know what was going on. Okay, I mean, <laughs> They they showed the the film from the congressional hearing where Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa sat next to each other and had to testify in front of in front of Congress. Mark McGuire didn't admit to taking steroids then; he admitted after the fact, which was also a big issue that they should have talked about. Was like, okay, well, you lied under oath at that point. Like that that's the juicy stuff I wanted to hear. But anyway, Sammy Sosa didn't even talk; he had a translator. So I I don't know like. He wasn't in the documentary, and maybe that's like ESPN 30 for 30 interviewed him, and they went back, and he didn't say anything with substance, or maybe he wasn't speaking English half the time, and they just didn't want to put it in, and they thought maybe they should just put the good stuff in. But there was a point at the very end of the documentary when they asked him, like, you know, did you take steroids? If you did, do you regret it? He was like, oh, I have a granddaughter. I have a family. I'm happy now. He's like, if I never get into the Hall of Fame, I'm happy. I don't care. I was like... You see him in on that. I'm like, damn, it's been 92 minutes and we haven't seen Sammy talk. He, he wasn't in the documentary. You'd think if you're the main focus in the documentary, it was Sosa versus Maguire. You'd think they'd want to, like, throw him in there a few more times. It's to so me. interesting <laughs> than Maguire, too. Mm-hmm. But also, when he was in the MLB, he brought, like, a different feel. Like, John Daly, when he went to the PGA Tour, brought a different type of feeling to the crowd, a different yeah. energy. Sosa brought that to every time he stepped on the field at Wrigley, Fenway, anywhere he played. He brought a different energy like, oh, shit, that's the big hitter. When John Daly steps up to the first tee in the PGA Championship, what do he say? Holy shit, it's John Daly. That's the big hitter. That's what Sosa brought. You don't say, oh, my God, it's Mark McGuire. That guy's a Right. Sosa was the character, and Mark McGuire was the quiet, you know, humble guy who didn't talk to the media. And just did his job and hit home runs. But Sammy Sosa was the life and he was the blood of the MLB at that time. 
And to me, this documentary must have been made by a Cardinals fan because this was the Mark McGuire story with Sammy Sosa commenting about Mark McGuire. Like, they barely asked Sammy Sosa about himself. They were like, oh, what'd you think when Mark hit 62? What'd you think when Mark hit the record at 70? Uh, when you and Mark did this, when you and Mark did that, how did it feel? Blah, blah, blah. This wasn't Sosa versus Maguire. This was Sosa comments about Maguire beating him. And like the closest thing I can, I can equate it to is if they do a documentary about Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, and it's not a documentary about McGregor versus um, Mayweather. It's Mayweather won and McGregor comments on why he like on on Mayweather winning, you know, like 30 for 30 is supposed to scratch the surface and dig deep and, and, and really get into that conversation. Did you take steroids? Why'd you lie in front of Congress? What was it like when Mark McGuire passed you? What was it like when Sammy passed you? None of that was talked about. This was just, hey, here's this guy who hit 70 home runs in a season, and here's the runner-up who hit 66. That's what this was. So nothing new came out of this documentary, and I'm pissed because it could have been such a good documentary. And you bring up the point of, like, if you do a Mayweather versus McGregor one, McGregor is a fucking character. Mm-hmm. He, he, like, at every every press conference, he did something wild. So was Mayweather, though. Mayweather was more contained than McGregor. He was more contained, but he was, like, cocky as fuck. And, like, they both had a little character. But, yeah, go ahead. But, like, McGregor, he would trash talk, trash talk, no matter where he was. He could be walking down the street, Team Jay goes up and goes, Fuck Mayweather! That's what you want to see. <laughs> yeah. You also want to see what he's like behind the scenes, when he's not trash talking. Who is McConnor McGregor, actually? That would provide actual good content for a documentary. And then you want to see, like, is Mayweather this cocky outside of everything, too? Because every time you see him in the ring, he's always... He's ducking punches away, and he's moving around, looking yeah. the guy in the eyes. You see him as this cocky little fucker who doesn't like to throw a punch because he doesn't have power. Sure, he had knockouts earlier in his career. When was the last time he had a knockout? It's been it's been a while. It's yeah, been a it's long been a minute. I'll tell you that McGregor was more entertaining to watch in that fight than Mayweather was because McGregor was throwing punches like crazy. He had a couple of heavy punches in the first, second, third round of the fight. I remember watching that fight, and it was unbelievable. He was throwing dukes. Mayweather was just, oh, no, he hit me in the face. I'll, I'll run away from him again, like he did for the rest of the match. That's what happened. Yeah. He tired out McGregor, and it was over by then because he didn't have to do anything at that point. But you want to see, like, how did he train for this? Playing baseball isn't about the training aspect. Boxing is a lot more training to go with, like, training on a guy's, a guy's punches, how to duck, how to avoid, how to hit him with a right hook. Baseball is, all right, this guy's got a sinker. i got to learn how to hit a sinker. Yeah. It's different. I'm giving all the credit in the world to the baseball guys. They can hit rockets, given they injected needles into their ass so they could get ripped. <laughs> but they can hit rockets off of nasty pitches. But boxing takes the movement and like your lower body and upper body and your focus and a dodge and playing defense and offense at the same time. It's just totally different, and I would love to see that. I don't know if this is off track, yeah. but I'd love to see that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's the worst part of the documentary for me. You could say what you want about... <clears throat> Them dodging questions about the steroids, ESPN not asking the right questions, Sammy Sosa not being in it at all, like ever. Um, them interviewing like random, like Bob Costas was was interviewed and like he doesn't commentate baseball. Like it, it was just weird. They they did this so wrong, and it seems like it seemed so low budget and so and, and it really seemed like the main guys that they wanted like weren't available. So they're like, all right, go get Bob Costas because he's already doing the last dance. So let's just have him talk about this. And, you know, it just didn't seem right. Like, none of these guys, like, connected to the situation at all. 
But the worst part about it for me, what we were all waiting for, what the conversation that's been going on in baseball for 30 years now, the question about the steroid era in baseball, such a big question mark over that era in history. Because, you know, records were broken. We saw in this documentary a record was broken and a new record was set. And there's a big question mark and a big asterisk next to that record because of the steroid era. And in all the previews, you're like, sick, we're finally going to get some answers. The two, you know, home run kings of 98 who definitely took steroids are coming out and they're going to tell their story. The steroid use was such a footnote in the whole documentary. And... The whole documentary, I know you didn't see it, but it, it, they did it chronologically. They did it from like, okay, here's day one of the 98 season all the way to the end of the 98 season when the record is set. And then they showed Barry Bonds, and they did Barry Bonds so dirty because it was like right when the steroid conversation had started. And then they showed Barry Bonds' clip of him breaking the record, the Mark McGuire's record. It's like, oh, come on. Why are you going to like – you're going to praise Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa about their back and forth, but then you're going to be like – and then the steroid era kicked in and then show Barry Bonds breaking the record. It just seemed kind of like like a dick move to Barry Bonds, even though he did take steroids. But um, but after they show Barry Bonds, they go to the congressional hearing in 2004 and then they ask Mark McGuire and he said, yeah, I did it for injury rehab and I completely regret it. Um, he, and he was like, if I could go back and do it again, I wouldn't do it. And it, it sucks. That was his quote. Like, it sucks. They asked Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa's like, I have a family. Uh, I'm happy. I'm never going to make it into the Hall of Fame, but but score. Uh, and, and that was it. <laughs> to me, like this whole documentary was based around the fact that they took steroids. And once again, I swear to God, a Cardinals fan made this because it was the Mark McGuire story. Mark McGuire was clean. Uh, he, he, he answered the question about steroids, kind of. And he said, oh, yeah, it sucked that I did it. But uh, but hey, fuck all of you because I, I broke the record. They asked Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa didn't want to answer. So they just like ended the documentary and we're like, all right, it's fine. You guys don't have to talk about the steroids if you don't want to. It's like, wasn't that the whole point to make a documentary about steroid use in baseball? And these two guys who 1000% took steroids and broke the home run record respectively, like, weren't you supposed to ask them about like Deep questions like, why'd you take steroids? What was it like in the locker room? Did your teammates take steroids? Were the pitchers taking steroids? Were the balls, you know, were people, well, I, I forget what the word is called, but like throwing games, basically, like throwing you soft pitches. Were the balls juiced? All questions that have, you know, risen since the steroid era of baseball. Like one thing comes out about all these players taking steroids. You're like, well, how clean was it? Like, is there more stuff that we have to worry about? None of that was addressed. So in my opinion, this was a huge flop. By ESPN. Yeah, if you're from St. Louis, it was cool because, like, they just highlighted Mark McGuire for two hours, basically. And they talked about steroids for 58 seconds. And Mark McGuire was like, yeah, it sucks. I did it. Whatever. But I'm still the man. Documentary over. So really, in my opinion, 100% of a miss by ESPN, which is rare because ESPN 30 for 30s are always good. I can only think of a few in history that were just like a snooze fest. This wasn't a snooze fest. Because it was interesting, like you got to see the home run race, you got to hear from the managers and, and the players, but it just wasn't what we were expecting. And I don't know if we're expecting more because the last dance killed it and it was so long and it was so in-depth. I don't know if we just like had that higher expectation for the, the next 30 for 30 to come out. But this was just a major disappointment because there's still a lot of unanswered questions in the world of baseball regarding the steroid era that I think this documentary could have answered, but unfortunately it didn't. 
So that leads me to our next point. Steroid era in baseball, Fonzie. Let's talk about it. I know we're not going to be able to answer the questions, but I want to get your thoughts. And there's a pretty broad, open-ended question, but obviously anybody who was anybody was using steroids probably. And there's no way to prove it unless they came clean and they said that they're using steroids. But it's, there's a really gray line where it's like what was legal, what wasn't legal, how much could you have used, how little, you know, was it for injury where you're just trying to juice up? How legitimate do you think success in the steroid era was for players like Mark McGuire, for players like Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, or teams that won championships? How legitimate do you think the success should be? Should we write off these records or should we just chalk it up to like, well, everyone was doing it, so it doesn't matter? You can't necessarily write off a record because still hitting 70 home runs is fucking impressive. Right. You can't just say like anyone's going to hit 70 home runs, even if the guy's on roids or not. If the guy's ripped without the steroids and hit 70 home runs, hell, give it to him. But he's on the roids and he hit 70 home runs. It's a little different. It's wrong. But you can't write it off because it did happen. You can't just deny it. It's like USC and Reggie Bush. You can't just deny that he went to your school. You can't deny that the things that he did didn't happen. So you can't write off the records like that because there were plenty of guys doing it. And there was plenty of guys that probably could have still hit 70 home runs in a season if they juiced as much as some of these guys did. But the steroid era was a wake-up call for the MLB. The MLB started to change their rules after they saw all the steroids being taken, and it kind of took things to a whole new level. But during the time, it was the norm, and I'm sure there were a lot of guys that were doing it that have never come clean and will never come clean. So you can't just write off Sosa and McGuire for their unbelievable performances, especially McGuire for breaking the record and holding it at 70. You can't just write that shit off like that. So, like... I don't think there's a way to get rid of it. There really isn't. Like, guys who took roids, it happened. Can't stop. There's nothing to change about it. The past is in the past. It happened. There's nothing you can do. So what I say is you recognize that what they did was wrong. But you can't take away what they did in the game away. They did do that. Hitting a ball, general. I can't even hit a wiffle ball. These guys hit 90-mile-an-hour fastballs out of the park, 400 feet. That's impressive shit. You can't take that away from them. Doing it 70 times in a season is unheard of. So you can't you can't just leave that there and say, you didn't do that. It doesn't. It happened. Shit happens. That's just how I see it. Yeah, I agree. I think, like, yeah, it sucks. Uh, to quote Mark McGuire, it sucks. But uh, I, it, it, it's tough because it takes away the legitimacy a little bit. If you're a baseball fan, you know, you always want to think that these professional athletes are as clean as a whistle and just go through the system and and shut up and play. Uh, and you never want to see like any of the controversy surrounding your favorite athletes. But I mean, this was an era in in the sports world where steroids were definitely they'd been around, but it was becoming more popular to take them, especially as injuries and injury rehab became more advanced and, and weightlifting became more advanced. I mean, baseball wasn't a sport where you were weightlifting, but you saw these baseball players who were conversing with these weightlifters who were taking steroids and they were like, yeah, you know, I took this and, and, I, and I bulked up and now I can lift X amount of weight. And the baseball players were like, well, if I could if I could do that, how far could I hit a baseball and how, how, how often could I hit a baseball that far? So in my opinion, yeah, it was the steroid era in baseball. And there's just no denying that. But at the same time, if you're going to call it the steroid era in baseball, you have to know that everyone was doing it 
And, you know, don't don't come to me and be like, oh, we know that this person wasn't doing it because, you know, they were 112 pounds. But yeah, but, you know, there were individuals, obviously, who stayed clean. And it sucks for those guys who who stayed clean the entire time and had to compete with these guys who were on the juice. And, you know, especially for players like I think Barstool mentioned this on the rundown, like it would have been interesting in the documentary to hear from like players whose careers may have been ruined by steroids, like guys who stayed clean. Like if you, if you were a pitcher and you got called up from the minors for like a game and you just happened to play against the Cubs or the Cardinals and you're clean as can be, and you've got a nice fastball, but you're staring down Sammy Sosa, who's on the juice or Mark McGuire, who's on the juice and they just take you yard and you never get called up to the MLB again. Like it would have been interesting to hear from those guys. Like it sucks for those people who did stay clean and, and did play by the rules. But in the broader picture, you can't go back and punish players for these what ifs. Sammy Sosa will never admit to taking steroids. Uh, it's pretty much generally assumed that he took them. Uh, but there's no way to prove it. I mean, there was a voluntary test that came out, you know, once these players retired or at the end of these players' careers in the early 2000s that was published by the New York Times. It was voluntary. And there was a huge number of players on that list. Barry Bonds was on that list. Mark McGuire was on that list. And that's the only proof of evidence that we have other than, you know, players who came out and admitted that they use steroids. If you're not admitting it, you can, I mean, you can just like slip through the cracks, I guess, in terms of like your general reputation. Although Sammy Sosa's reputation has been ruined for absolutely no reason. Because I guess I guess the Cubs like he hasn't been invited back to Wrigley Field. I think the Cubs want him to admit that he's used steroids, and he won't do it. So he he won't get to Cooperstown. He won't um you know be recognized by the Cubs, and that's just sad. But like he said, he's happy. He's got a granddaughter, so he's happy. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, when you when for me when I look back at the steroid era of baseball, yeah, it sucked, and yeah, when I'm compla- comparing players from then to now. Uh, you definitely have a little asterisk next to the players who were taking steroids. But, you know, it was a time where it was becoming this new thing. And it wasn't, you know, there was a gray area in terms of what was legal, what was illegal, what you could you get over the counter, what, what, what wasn't over the counter. So I don't think that just because one New York Times article was was leaked in the early 2000s with a list of players who were voluntarily tested and may or may not have tested positive I don't think that we can just destroy that entire era of baseball and all the records that were set. Um, and I don't know why the Hall of Fame is holding it against these players, because unless you admitted to it, which some players have, unless you admitted to it clear cut, then I think the Hall of Fame shouldn't be judging players on on conspiracies like Sammy Sosa hasn't admitted to it, hasn't been, uh, you know, isn't a Hall of Famer yet. And Sammy Sosa was one of the more transitional players in the game and really, like I said earlier, brought the life back into the MLB. And the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is an absolute joke. I can understand why, like, Mark McGuire isn't because he admitted to it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of people trying to write this era of baseball off. And I just think that you can't because everybody was doing it. It's not just the players you think were doing it. It's not just the players who have admitted, have admitted to doing it. Everybody was doing it. Everybody was on the juice at some point, you know? And if you want to really dive into how clean baseball was or how clean sports were in the 90s, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. And, you know, how clean are sports now? Probably not 100% clean. 
uh, how clean are sports going to be in the next 20 years? Probably less clean than now. So it's just something that you have to live with. Obviously, it sucks. This documentary brought some of it to light, but obviously, like I said, major disappointment. All right. TBR Wiffle. Let's let's talk about it. It, it, it is it's content, people. I mean, you want to talk about content? No, we're not talking about going on Instagram Live and interviewing, you know, Division Two college basketball players. We're not we're not talking about posting polls on our story about who's gonna win this game or who who where is Colin Kaepernick gonna sign? No, we're not talking about that bullshit. We're talking about content, baby. TBR Wiffle, two weeks in, major success so far. Fonzie, I want to get jump right into it before we get into our power rankings. I want to ask you some deep personal questions. Controversial end to the Diamondbacks and Dodgers series uh, in week one. Controversial end. Very controversial. Do you care to comment about the foul ball, not foul comment at this time? Uh, I, I, would, I would care to comment here. Um, then go ahead. It was foul. Um, you know, I, I blame the umpire, uh, Ryan Tarmy. You obviously can't see shit because that was a foul ball. I love you, Tarmy, but I still think that was a foul ball. Uh, I, I'm going to be marching down to the commissioner's office soon, and I'm going to appeal the game so you can get replayed. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you know I, I wouldn't do that. The game's in the past. Shit happens. You, you win some, you lose some. Uh, it's a call that I don't agree with, but you can't change the call now. We, we face the Diamondbacks in a couple weeks, and uh, hopefully we'll get them back. That's all I can really say now. I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, it'll just forever be lodged in my memory. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's blown calls. Um, I forget the pitcher's name, but the Detroit Tigers pitcher who had like a perfect game and then there was a ground out first and the umpire called the runner safe and then it was apparent he was out and they couldn't reverse the call and he cried. You know, this may be one of those scenarios. I was the head umpire in the game. Uh, I called it foul on the field. Uh, that's what it looked like to me, at least. It was challenged by the Diamondbacks. Uh, the second umpire in the game, Ryan Tarmy, told me to take another look because he saw something different. We looked at it for a while. We talked about it. Um, uh, my call was going to be inconclusive uh, and that the call on the field stands, and that's a foul ball, especially since it was a game-deciding play with the new mercy rule. If you go back and look at the video, it's really tough to tell. Like, I still can't 100% tell. And I think part of it is the camera angle. You see where the ball lands and you see where the ball was hit. It, it definitely at, at one point was fair. And it was trending foul. And we just really can't tell when it went foul and when it did it stay fair at the pole. So the official call on the field was a fair ball. Grand slam ended the game. Dodgers lost, unfortunately. Um but yeah, you know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't lose sleep over the call. Uh, I wasn't happy with myself. I think I could have done better in the in my role as an umpire to uh, to fully review the play. But to me, it's 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 right on the line. Still, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever know. I think we probably would have needed a second camera angle. Yeah. Well. CPR Sports will soon be installing another camera angle in the outfield so we can see the movement on pitches a little better. Yeah. But it'll also help us to see if a ball's fair or foul. It's just the way she goes sometimes. So you can't change anything now. It's over. The game ended. 
on to next week. That's what we got to do here. On to next week, baby. So on to next week. Week three power rankings. We're going to roll through them right now. Um, what? Are we on week two? No, we're on week three. Yeah, we, we've already been through two weeks of this. So each team has played six games. Not all the game footage has been released. That'll be out by by the time that the third uh, week starts with the with the game on Friday. So uh, and not all the scores have been released either. But sitting at the top of the league right now, just to give you guys some context, uh, are the Diamondbacks. They're five and one. Uh, they brought in a ringer of a pitcher um, and in Nate DeRoche and the kid can throw. And no one has been able to figure him out yet. Uh, in second, we have the Padres. Yours truly. Three and three. We're sitting at 500. We had a good week against Fonzie's Dodgers. Uh, came and grabbed two out of the uh, out of the series. And we have to play the Diamondbacks this week. Uh, with an injured Brendan Millette on the mound, too. Coming off of a surgical procedure. Uh, pulling a Kurt Schilling to start the series. But we'll see how that goes. Uh, in third... Uh, I think it's the Dodgers. I mean, you, you're tied with the Mets for last, but I think you have more runs for or less of a run differential. I don't know how it works. And we're just a genuine better team than the Mets. Yeah. Uh, this week will actually <laughs> prove that we're a better team because we're going to win three out of three this week. Um, you know, I, I can hit a meatball out of the park, so Seth pitching can do that. Or I could just get walked 20 times, which would what would happen if Ethan was pitching. Yeah. Uh, and if Rula <laughs> was pitching, he just hit me. So... You know, I'm on base pretty much 99% of the time there. Kuz will hit a couple meatballs out of the park. And uh, Jackson will hit a couple center field dingers to get him to uh, either a double or a home run. That's what I see out of him a lot. Uh, this, is a, this is a big week to get a... Uh, it is get, a big week. He'll get to... Yeah, get over 500. Uh, we're yeah. two and four of the Dodgers. So uh, to get to five and four would be great. Hopefully, hopefully the Padres beat the Diamondbacks this week. Yeah, I'm a little nervous for that series. Uh, there's word that Chase Stafford may not be playing. Uh, he is away on vacation and is being negligent and uh, and negligent. <laughs> and it, which I mean th- that that wouldn't be like that wouldn't be crazy because I think he's busted so far through the first two weeks. I mean, no offense to Lynchy, but for a number one overall pick, the kid has like no hits. Uh, you know, his ERA is through the roof. Um, uh, DeRoche is their MVP right now. He's their ace. He's their MVP. He's their, he's their, uh, gold glove winner. He's all of the above. Uh, so I think figuring out Nate DeRoche is going to be key for us, but if Chase Stafford doesn't play and they have to look for a replacement for this weekend's games, hallelujah. That's what I say. And, and also <laughs> big agent news here. The LA Dodgers have acquired the rights to closer. Cody Plaza. Closer. Uh, signed a 12-year max max contract. Build up the cap space there. Um, he will be wearing the number uh, 69 as well. Because we're all going to be wearing 69 eventually. It's a sick number. Um, but yeah, Cody Plaza is an L.A. Dodger. He says he can pitch, and I believe in him. He says he's got a nasty 12-6 curveball, which I think he can get some batter swinging on, and I'd love to see it happen. So when I start fucking up, which I have done in the past two series, is, is um, you know, I'm going to have someone that can pitch for me. Given Cusolito and Jackson Hart have both done a pretty solid job when I take myself out of the game. Um, but Cody Plaza out here has got some filthy pitches. I am willing to take myself out of the game if that's what it takes to win the game. So to have someone who can throw some filthy pitches in there will be great, and that's why I signed Cody the max contract. I'm excited to have him in Dodger Blue. And uh, we'll see what kind of difference he can make for my team. You know, having two pitchers might be big in the power rankings. 
hopefully get to a similar record for the Padres within the next two weeks. Try to catch up there, make the, the battle for second place a good one. Um, personally, I'd love to see the Padres-Dodgers matchup in the playoffs. I think yep. that'd be an unbelievable series to watch. Um, yeah, I'd love to see it happen. That is that has been, in my opinion, the most entertaining series to to be a part of and to to watch. And, and, and in editing, I'm finding that out. Obviously, it's not out yet. But Padres Dodgers this past Sunday, uh, Sunday night baseball, uh, it was intense. You know, we it was a pitching duel between Fonzie and I for sure. And you may hear that and think we're joking, but we 100 percent aren't. Uh, I, it was the lowest scoring series so far of the three of the I don't know three series that have been played. Because there's two, yeah, three series, because we were the last series in week two. Uh, it was the, the lowest scoring. Uh, it was a pitcher's duel through and through. Could have gone either way in in any of the three games. And I, I do think we're setting the stage for, for a nice little playoff rivalry. I think our team has a nice little, our teams have a nice little rivalry right now because I it's, it's been competitive. And, uh, you know, having Plaza in the field, I feel like he brings a kind of energy that, mm-hmm. that, that riles up both teams on each side. Uh, the rivalry definitely is getting better here, though. It's going to make some entertaining content on the uh, TBR YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing much else to say, but we got a good good rivalry coming up here between the Padres and the Dodgers. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, it, we've, we've got a nice rivalry brewing. All right, before we before we sign off, let's talk. Let's talk predictions for week three. Uh, I, obviously, I think you're going to – I would agree with you that you guys are going to – mop the floor with the Mets but uh but let's talk about Dodgers and Mets first because that is the first series that's going to be played this week because I still have to recover from my surgical procedure uh we've got Matt Fonzie starting on the mound in game one I don't know who the Mets are throwing out there for game one it's probably gonna be for Rulo but might be Ethan but uh, if he could control his riser that's the deadly. thing he can't though <laughs> but if he could he's deadly so you know if he's on the mound, I can see a couple of strikeouts here and there, but I also see a lot of walks coming in. And, uh, you know, Matt Cusolito's a slugger. He leads the team in home runs. So I can see him hitting a bomb off of him and getting us a couple runs there. Uh, games one and two and three are pretty much all going to be blowouts. Uh, I wouldn't say blowouts. I can, I can tend to blow up every once in a while. As you saw in, uh, in game one of the Diamondback series, I hit a game-tying run in the bottom of the third to bring us into extras. And uh, I took and myself out of the up game. Nine runs. <laughs> it hit the fan uh, real quick. So, you know, it's all really going to come down to if I can control my pitches and if Cody Plaza is the pitcher that I hope he can be. Because if I'm struggling, I put in Cody Plaza. He throws a couple of curveball, ch- change-up, slider, sinker, drop, or whatever you want. But he hits the strike zone. All I see is the W in my future. So will, um, will Cody Plaza be making his debut this, this week? Uh, I, I believe that he will be. I haven't gotten official confirmation, but if he is there, uh, I plan on starting him in game two. And, um, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a different look here for the Dodgers. We've seen me on the mound for a majority of the game, well, all, pretty much all the games. And, um, you know, my pitches are getting a little old, and some guys are starting to catch on. So I'm going to have to work on that a little bit. But I believe Cody Plaza will bring something different for the table to the table for the Dodgers. And uh, it's going to definitely change up the momentum we have this season. Yeah, I think I think the Mets have, uh, you know, they came out with two fluke wins in week one against the Padres and then got blown out of the water by the Diamondbacks last week. Uh, and the only team they've yet to play is the Dodgers. 
Dodgers have been competitive through and through. You guys have had some pretty close games and some close series. Uh, I think you might take three from the Mets this week. Uh, that's my hope. Well, actually, I don't know if that's my hope or not, because it depends on what happens with the, with my series. But I always hope the best for you, and I hope that you have a good outing and create good content. But uh, if I were a betting man, uh, if we had Las Vegas odds on this game... We, we I, can start odds out. We should. Go a little ML action. Love to see it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, if I had to put money on a team, even though you guys would probably uh, be the the favorites, I would still take you guys because I think you're probably going to win three games. Yeah. All right, last series of the of week three, Padres, Diamondbacks, the teams at the top of the league. Whoever wins this series is at the top of the league now. We're sitting at three and three. If we take two away from them, uh, we'd be tied at five and three, but I think that we have more runs for than they do. So uh, I think that, well, I guess that that depends on how many runs are scored in that series. But uh, either way, we'd be tied for first. And then if we lose, obviously, they're going to be first in the league still. Uh, Chase Stafford, questionable for this weekend. That's a big, that's big news, even though he's been a disappointment for everybody. Um, I, I, I think that he just has a presence that if he's not there, I think we can take advantage of the Diamondbacks. Uh, he's a big character, big locker room guy. And I think their morale will be down if Chase Stafford isn't in the starting lineup. Uh, there is a question mark around Cam Brown. Uh, there's been talk of him working this weekend. Loser. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, maybe Picano's going to make his debut. Maybe I'll bring in another ringer. Uh, who knows? But uh, I've got, you know, uh, sorry, but I'm not going to I am going to miss Brownie if he can't play, but I'm not going to miss him too much, given that he is the guy who was running, was a base runner at first and the ball was hit to first and he actually (laughs) called for the ball. So I'm not going to miss him too much because of that. But, uh, you know, we're going to miss his presence. So uh, don't worry. Tarmer and I will be there. Buzzing as always, hitting home runs. Uh, I'm tied for the league lead in home runs. Nobody thought I could do it. And I also am tied. Well, actually, I think I have the best ERA because DeRoche hasn't pitched the same amount of games that I have. So I think I lead the league in everything uh, because because why not? And uh, I'm sorry, what? We have strikeouts listed. We need strikeouts. Yeah, I, I need to like go calculate it but because I haven't edited the game, so I do it after I edit the game. But uh, you and I are probably tied for strikeouts. Yeah. yeah or we're I, close. I can't write with this shit really quick. <laughs> um, especially after Lynchy hit his home run to, to end the game off of it. Um, yeah, the, that the call that never was. <laughs> that definitely put the ERA to shit. But uh, I'm hoping that against the Mets I can get a couple of, couple of no-hitters. Yeah, pad the stats a little bit. <laughs> I'd love to see the ERA just go way down. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm excited for this week. Uh, I'm taking the next few days to heal and recover from my surgical procedure. Uh, the stitches will dissolve on their own, and uh, I'm, you know, keeping the arm rested after a good start uh, against the Dodgers. Uh, and I'm ready to go. Uh, if if Chase isn't in, whole different series, whole different series. If he's not in, they haven't seen my pitching yet. They haven't seen it. They haven't had to deal with it. Chase can't hit the strike zone. Uh, DeRoche is their one guy. So if Chase doesn't play, then DeRoche can't start all three games. And uh, no, I'm sorry, but no, Um, (laughs) that's just that's just not how I work. Uh, I I hit bombs, Fonzie. And to quote my idol, Phil Mickelson, 
when I stop hitting bombs, then I'll stop playing. But I can't because I hit too many bombs. Yeah, uh, well, I uh, went yard off you. I took it to like the fucking parking lot. I went grand salami in the first series, walk off grand slam. And uh, I took you, you know, 50 deep. So uh, I don't know. Bring me Michael Lynch. Bring me Nate DeRoche. I, I'm not afraid of anybody. Well, to, to voice my, my idol, John Daly, I made $45 million and I gambled 90 of it away. That has nothing to do with the situation <laughs> at all. No, that's me. I throw hard. That's just an irrelevant and, quote. And I either, I either get eight strikeouts in a game or I walk in or 12 eight walks. <laughs> that's just, that's how it goes. That's my Listen, pitching style. It all comes down to the playoffs because everybody's making the playoffs, but I want to have home field advantage. Uh, I also want to be the top team in the league, the top dogs, uh, the team to beat. Well, so I might tank for last. Because I want to see me and you in a series. Yeah, if we're in first, I mean, I, I, either way, I think we're going to see each other in the playoffs. Uh, I, I, I could see this as a potential World Series if it That's doesn't happen in the first round. What? I can figure out DeRoche. Elite. He'll be figured. Listen, listen, he throws straight, so we just have to swing earlier. That's that's my guess. I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't faced him yet. Maybe there's something there that 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 you guys haven't figured out that my team can. And then when we do, we'll pass along the information. We'll have a little, you know. Well, well, <laughs> you need me to bring a garbage can to the next game because I bang for me. <laughs> we'll oh. have little buzzer. We'll have band aid buzzers <laughs> that we wear. Signs well, that Apple watches. <laughs> Life alerts on, we'll do it. But yeah, this is actually a very telling week. You know, everybody's played six games. We're heading into week three. Uh, everyone's uniforms are finally kind of coming in. So we're going to look a little more coordinated out there. The editing is getting better. We're going to have more than one camera angle. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I am. I don't know what else to say. I'm excited. It's going to be hot this weekend. So I, I might go tarps off for the boys. Uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be like 88. We'll be breaking out the white sleeveless jersey. Okay. The Dodgers. It's going to look okay. great. You see it already. If you haven't liked my Instagram post already, you should go check out that sleeveless jersey with the number 69 on it. <laughs> At the farms. Pretty solid. It's going to be 84 degrees when you guys play. 84 and sunny. Well, it's definitely sleeveless jersey time. Yeah, so we, you know, we might, you might see the boys tossing uh, some ice chips out to the players as they, uh, as they come off. Uh, at the half inning, but week three, I'm actually amped up. I had this wisdom tooth thing hanging over my head. They're gone now. Um, and I have the rest of the summer to just focus on wiffle ball and, and to win the ZBR wiffle ball league. And yeah. So week three, everybody tune in, make sure to tune in to the, to the games as we release them too. Cause they're actually entertaining as hell to watch. Like, even though I edit them and spend like hours editing them, even after I put them out, I still watch them cause it's I like so fun. Game. I was watching film last night. It's all call it. I was watching, <laughs> I watched my game probably eight times yesterday. Yeah. It's awesome. Just, just seeing what I could do better. And, uh, you know, I got a couple things in my back pocket that I'm ready to bring out against the Mets, okay. which is just hitting the strike zone. So, you know, pretty important there. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say this episode. TBR Whipple. Same. Some of the best content we've ever produced. We have a hell of a time. We all play our game. Pitches are out of this world. couple risers, couple sliders, couple drop pitches from Brendan. The teams are unbelievable together. It's fun. Hell, we have a great time doing it. We're not just doing it like, oh, we got to pump out this video. Let's go play a game of Whipple Ball. 
no. I come here to win. Brendan comes here to win. Seth comes here to lose. And Michael comes here to win. Three out of four of the captains are here to win, all right? <laughs> the Mets, different story, okay? But we're here to have a good time, play some wiffle ball, and provide the content that we know you want to see. We're having fun, and we hope you have fun watching it. TVR Wiffle Ball, possibly the greatest wiffle ball league in Massachusetts, how I consider the country. That's all I have to say. Oh, we're one good- thing. Uh, I hate to interrupt, but the MLB and the Players Union are closing in on an agreement to play the 2020 season. Just yeah, broke now. That means we that means we lose viewers though, because all the MLB no, it's fans, fine. Our viewership will go up. It's fine. I, 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 I believe it. Watch TBR Wiffle. <laughs> so yeah, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, that's that's all we've got. Um, I I thank you all for your prayers. Uh, it, it wasn't an easy procedure, uh, all 28 minutes of it. Um, but I thank you all for listening. Episode 35, new show logo, new mentality, TBR Wiffle. Tune in, tune into at TBR Sports on Instagram. Listen to all our other podcasts. Um, yeah, this has been episode 35 from Fonzie and I to all of you for the family, by the family. Yeah, yeah, for the family, by the family. That's right, yeah. All right. Thank you, boys, for listening. We'll see you next time. Focus on you in the light. It helps me feel my emotions. Why are we at such a distance? Find ourselves so out of frame. This love stay calm in the night. You help me heal and reopen. Why are we drifting away from everything we wanted to save? I told you I'd be down forever Loving you is danger But it don't feel wrong It's old news I should look for better Falling back to strangers